sometimes it's a little weird, uh, you know, not knowing, especially when you got, you know, you're, I mean, you, well, if you're like TJ and you can't handle snoring, you sleep outside. <laughs> yeah, Kaylee probably, Kaylee, that's probably the first time you heard that, right? Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we all woke up and couldn't find TJ, and um, he's outside on the front porch <laughs> in a recliner with the bobcats. <laughs> we looked outside, and the bobcat is coming right beside, uh, right beside the front door, right up the eases, right up in the woods, and um, yeah. So uh, he said, I think Daniel was the problem at this point, right? Snoring, is that what it was? Yeah, Sean did go to bed. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot, had a lot of fun. So uh, we we did. We we had a lot of fun. We, a lot of competitive games and uh, go karts. We went and rode go karts and all man, I almost got just TJ. Oh, this is going back to TJ. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Man, TJ got our laps cut down two different races. Yeah, so it was, uh, it, we had fun though, man. We did. It was a blast. So my back's still a little jacked up from that one hit I took. But other than that, we're all good. <coughs> Brother Tony, won't you come on, man? Uh, Tony Godfrey is from Iola, Kansas, in, in the middle of nowhere. Um, the only person that knows where Iola is is Daniel McNeil. Because uh, he's got family that lives there, so the rest of us, we just, you know, it's it's smack dab in the middle of uh, of the other side of the world, com you know, comparative to where we are right now. What's it, 13, 14 hours from here? Yeah, yeah, yeah 14. 15, 15. Uh, so it's a long ways. A lot, a lot of us ain't been over eight, so uh, so it's a long ways to get back to Tony's house. But man, listen, God God used him this weekend. I know God's going to use him. Uh, Pastors Harvest Baptist Church in Iowa, Kansas, and God's doing a lot of big things over there right now. Uh, he just completely just bought a bowling alley, remodeled it. You know, God's using that, packing that place out, and just doing great things in His town. And uh, so, I want you, you know, you pray. Let's let's go ahead and do that now. Let's pray for Him. Ask God to use Him, and uh, you get your Bibles out. And uh, I know you got outline. If you don't have an outline, uh, we'll get you one there in the back there. And uh, we'll just get ready for the Lord's work. Amen? Amen? All right. Lord, thank you for today. And and thank you for Brother Tony. Uh, thank you for his willingness to be here. I know what it's like to be away from uh, be away from my house and just be out of the normal routine and uh, being at other people's mercy. And, and, and Lord, all that is just sometimes it's, uh, Lord, it's taxing and it, it gets to you. And uh, Lord... I pray if any of that is the case, uh, Lord, that you settle Brother Tony's heart and, mm. and God, you just get him to a place to where, Lord, you engulf him within what he's doing right now. And, and God, nothing else matters in the world at this point in time. And God, we're, we're thankful that we get to open the word of God and Lord, you, you used it to change my life all them years ago. And God, the only thing God, that you ever gave me that I that I seem to understand, and um, God, I, I just I'm just really thankful for your book and, and God how you 
how you've blessed it, how you've used it in, in many people's lives in this room. God, you've changed a lot of, a lot of hearts in this room. And God, I pray that you use Brother Tony once again, God, to, to plow in our own little patch. And God, you use the Bible. And, and God, the Spirit of God, Lord, would, would take and just completely transform our lives this morning. God, use him. Use him. Lord, I pray that you, uh, that you clothe him within his calling in the power of the Holy Ghost of God. Lord, as is, is, uh, is, is I'm sure many, many uh, of, of days gone by has, has just asked for the power of the Holy Ghost within the calling of a man. I, I pray, God, that same thing. God, just use him. Use him in, in great power this morning. Lord, we, we genuinely love you, and Lord, we're thankful for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Morning, everybody. All right, so hey, uh, I'm going to ask you to turn the Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 6. I had a blast at the uh, men's retreat. I just had a really good time laughing, usually at others, and sometimes at, at myself. But just, man, I just had a blast. We ate more than we should and, and stayed up later, way later than people should and <laughs> all that. But man, it was, it was a sweet, sweet time, and so when... when uh, Brother Lee asked me to, to pray about coming. I'll be honest, I didn't have to do a whole lot of praying, right? You know, I'm just like, Lord, man, that would just be really cool. Can I go? And, uh, you know, the Lord, the Lord showed up, didn't he? And uh, we, had a, we had a good time. And so uh, I met Lee a few years ago in Cartersville at a discipleship conference. And uh, just, I'd seen him around and just walking by him. And so it was like, Two or three days in, I walked by him right outside the main entrance of the auditorium there, the sanctuary, and I walk up and I said, hey, man, what's the Lord showing you this thing? I don't know if you remember this conversation. And uh, he goes, man, I'm just trying to get my head around it, just trying to figure it out, you know. And I thought, man, I like, I like men who are honest, and I like, I like men who crave the word of God, and uh, I knew immediately this guy was a genuine guy, and uh, man, since then we've just been able to to cross paths numerous times. And man, I, I consider him one of my one of my favorite friends within the fellowship. And he means the world to me. And you got a good man. You got a good pastor. And, um, he carries a lot of load and he carries a lot of weight, and he loves you uh, tremendously. So Luke chapter six. I'm gonna. I, we're going to cover a lot of territory. Please don't freak out. We are going to move fast. I, I tend to speak fast and move fast. And my son is always telling me after church on Sunday, he goes, Dad, I was having a hard He's the one that does our slides, you know. He's like, I was having a hard time keeping up. I said, the only way you stay awake, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but when I was a little kid, my mom was a single mom raising two boys on her own. And, and uh, the Wesleyan Church in town had a little bus ministry. And they would, we were just talking about bus ministry. We had a little bus ministry. And my mom was working two, three jobs, you know, and Sundays were her one day off a week. And uh, when the, they came knocking on doors asking if they would like to pick up our kids, my mom jumped at the chance. And so we went to this Wesleyan church and just so she could have two hours of peace, right? And all I remember of that church is, you know, they would have chocolate milk and cookies and sing a few songs and have the old felt board, you know. Remember the old felt board? Had the old felt board stuff, and 
they preached Jesus, you know, what have you. But I remember there was a song that we used to sing as little kids. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. You know the story, right? Remember the song? Rains came down, the floods came up. You know, that whole thing. And the house on the rock stood firm. I loved it. My favorite part was when it went splat because everybody just fell on the ground. That's my favorite part of the song. I was like, can we sing that every week? I'd love to. We just go all out on the ground. Well, as a kid, you're just like, that's a really fun song. But you don't know what it means. Right? You don't know the message behind it. And so I want to run to the end of the story. Let's go to the end, and then I want to start, at, go back to the beginning of it. So Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He says this. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. That right there is the key. Of course, they weren't teaching me that in Sunday school. But notice what it says here. It says, come, heareth, and do. Come, hear, and do. And what you find from verse 17 all the way to that verse is Jesus laying out those who come to him, those who come to hear him, and those who come here and do what he says. All right, so then he goes into this analogy, gives this illustration. If you come here and you do, I'll show you whom he's like, verse 48. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the, found, when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not. What does it say? It's like a man without a foundation built an house upon the earth. Guess what? I, I want you to, in your mind, I want you to visualize two houses side by side. Same cul-de-sac, right? The same everything. They have the exact same floor plan, the exact same everything. One's on a foundation, one's not. The same flood attacks them both. One stands firm, one falls flat. Check this out. So it, it, it says, uh, it said, which the stream did beat, beat, beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And I'm telling you what, this is not in context to unbelievers and believers. He's not comparing unbelievers and believers. He's comparing believers with believers here. That's, that's the point. And we all know somebody, or maybe we are somebody, who have a house of cards. It looks good. It looks solid. And that stream's coming, and it's going to beat vehemently. Well, how do I know whether I'm standing, if I'm going to still be standing? Because we all know somebody who's flaked out, don't we? We all know people who bounced on the Lord. Why? Because they had no foundation. All right, so let's go to verse 17. Go to verse 17. We're going to get a running start. We're going to run into this thing. Because the first point I want you to get here is that there are many that come to see Jesus. There are many that come to see Jesus. And I call these the event-centered believers, right? Or maybe even the lost. And I would bet in this room there are, there's an event centered individual here at least one and it says in verse 17 and he came down with them and stood in the plain and the great and, and the company of the of his disciples all right you get this you get in the picture so he comes he stands in the plain he's got a company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all judea and jerusalem and from the seacoast of tyre and sidon which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and they and they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. He had a healing service, didn't he? 
So you got Jesus there. He's got his disciples. But you also have this massive amount of people. And, and people are getting healed. They come to hear what he has to say. That's in a massive meeting, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. And so they have this massive event going on. Well, what you find is, is here's what I learn about Christianity. Here's what I learn about the things of the Lord. Everywhere Jesus goes, there are multitudes and there are disciples. Yeah. Everywhere. There are multitudes and there are disciples. The multitudes pretend, right? So the multitudes, they, they act like they're Christians or they act like they're interested in the, in the things of God, and they're really not. Because all they want is to have a life-changing moment. They want, this, they, they want this life-changing experience. They go to church so they can say they went to church. And they go home and they eat their Sunday roast. And there ain't nothing wrong with Sunday roast. I'm probably quite partial to Sunday roast. I'm all about that. But check this out. It says that they came to hear him, which just sounds awesome. You see that at the end of verse 17. They came to hear, but they also came to be healed. Well, that sounds great. Doesn't on the surface? That sounds awesome. But they want to hear what Jesus says. And here's what I mean by that. They just want a life-changing message. They want to know that they heard something. They want to hear something fresh. They want to hear something new. There's some guy out there supposedly healing people, and he's saying some wisdom stuff. So they come for the show. That's what they come for. You know how many people are in churches this morning having that same mentality? Tickle my ears, say something that, I want, that I've never heard before. I want to have a life-changing experience. I want to say that I had church. Yeah. Man, we went to church. Yeah. And yet my life is still the same. Yeah. But notice this, they also want to be healed. And they want to be healed, and there's nothing wrong with that. And they just say, okay, I want to hear a life-changing message, and I want all my problems to go away. And they're, they're, they're just dumbfounded. When they come and they sing a few songs and they hear a message and they walk out the door and they get in their car and they drive home and nothing's different. Well, how could that be? Well, there are many that come to see Jesus for sure. But I want you to notice something. Jesus generally cares for the people, doesn't he? Because he, he heals them. He actually moves in the lives of people. No, praise the Lord. He's, did you know that? God's moving in the lives of lost people. He, he like, he's, he's, like, he's all about that. He's generally healing them. But I will say this, don't mistake experience with belief. Don't mistake experience with belief. And get this, being where Jesus is doesn't necessarily mean that you're following him. Being where he is does not mean that you're following him. Just check this out. Verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his what? What does the Bible say? On his disciples. So he's got a multitude. I, I, I can't even imagine what a multitude means, right? I, I mean, that, is that 20 people? Is that 20,000 people? I don't know. It's a whole lot of peeps. But he doesn't even address the multitudes. He speaks right to his disciples. So it's almost like multitudes here, disciples here. And so he, he lifts up his eyes. He looks directly on the disciples, and he has a discourse only for his disciples. He leaves the multitudes out. And I'm just telling you, there's a principle right there. There's a reason why a lot of people come to church, they can hear the exact same message, and some get it and some don't. Because God is speaking to disciples. Multitudes always miss out. They always go home unchanged. And here's the deal. Jesus moves on, and they go home. True disciples go where Jesus is going. We talked about that all men's retreat. We talked about that the entire men's retreat. Now, here's what he does in verses 20 to 26. He lays out two different types of disciples, two different types of disciples. And so I think on your sheet there, you've got a little line with some stuff. 
uh, one side you have the contenders, and on the other side you have the pretenders. Right? The contenders, they stand on the firm foundation. The pretenders, um, they're the ones who go splat. Right? So check this out, verse 20. He lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Yours is the kingdom of God. Remember, the kingdom of God is God's spiritual kingdom. Kingdom of heaven, God's physical kingdom. And he focuses in on the kingdom of God. He says, okay, blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Well, here's contenders. They're not focused on what they don't have. You know what they're focused on? They're focused on what they have in Christ. That's what contenders are. I'm poor, I ain't got nothing. It don't matter. You have the kingdom of God, man. It don't matter whether you have two pennies to rub together or not. They're not focused on what they don't have. They're focused on what they have in Christ. Remember Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. I don't have it up on the screen. I just wrote this thing down this morning. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. In Christ, we have the hope of glory. Do you understand that? So verse 24, though. He juxtaposes these two. So verse 24, but woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. So pretenders, these are people who are genuinely saved. They know Christ. They would even call themselves a disciple. And yet you have the contenders who are focused on the kingdom of God. And yet you have pretenders, and they're not focused on what they have in Christ. They're focused on what the world has to offer them. They're focused on chasing riches. And God says, fine, you already got your reward, man. You sought your reward on this earth. You got it. So when it comes time for the judgment seat of Christ and the true reward, they're empty. And Jesus says, man, you had your consolation. You had it while you lived. You wasted your time. Verse 21. It says, blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. So here's the contender. The contender says, you know what, I'm not hungry for what the world cooks up. Because they have an appetite for what eternally fills them. Notice what it says. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. So you know what, I'm willing to do without. I'm, I'm willing to go a little bit hungry. Because this world, whatever it cooks up, can never truly satisfy me. Skip to verse 25. It says, woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. So the pretenders, they're not hungry for what Christ offers them because they're already full with what the world's already given them. And I'm just telling you right now, I bet there's somebody in this room right now, you can't receive anything that's being spoken to you because you're so full of what the world offered you. You had a heaping plate full of that this morning, and you're full. You can't receive anything else. Well, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. Doth man live, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Go back to verse 21, last part of verse 21. says, blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Didn't we just sing that? He turned mourning to dancing, right? No, he just says, okay, you're going to weep now. But ye shall laugh. So on the, on the contender side, you have the, these guys are the ones they know that their tears, their tears are going to be replaced with laughter. How do you know that? Because Psalm 125 verse 5 says, I'm going to sow in tears and reap in joy. I'm going to sow in tears and reap in joy. But notice over here in verse 25. He says, he's in the middle of verse 25. He says, woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. See, the pretender, they're laughing now. They're laughing at all these people who are serving Jesus. Man, you just take that stuff too serious, man. What's, what's wrong with just going to church and having a few Bible studies and doing my thing and singing some few songs and going home? You're just laughing now. Wait till that judgment seat of Christ. You'll be, you'll be crying. Their laughter will re- be replaced with tears. Matthew, or sorry, go back to uh, verse 22. Check this out. 
It says, blessed are ye when men shall hate you. Isn't that just weird? Man, that guy hates my guts. Well, blessed are ye when men shall hate you. And when they shall separate you from their company, losing your friends, and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake, not because you're a fool, right? Not because you acted out, but before the Son of Man's sake. He says, rejoice ye in that day. And leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. All right, so you have the contenders. They celebrate when, wor- when the world rejects them. That's what they do. When the world rejects you, you celebrate. I mean, look what God's doing. They must see so much Jesus in me that they bounced on me. Okay, well, praise the Lord. Because they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ in you. Acts chapter 5, verse 41, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Look over here in verse 26. It says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. So you have pretenders. Well, they celebrate when the world accepts them. They celebrate when the world accepts them. And so there's two types of disciples, and Jesus is only speaking to them. He's not interested in the multitudes right now. And so which type of disciple are you? Are you a contender or are you a pretender? Which is it? Are you searching for what this world has to offer you? Are you so full of the world that you have nothing, no place for Christ and what his word might say to you? You don't have time for a quiet time. You don't have time for church. You don't have time for ministry. You for sure don't have time to pour into another person. Evangelism, what's that? You're laughing now. You're enjoying your life now. Well, just know. That's going to be replaced with tears. And if you're doing it for man's praise, so the world will accept you. But you're going to be miserable. Because it's a house of cards. I know that comes across harsh. I I, I do. Because I can't even imagine what, if Jesus was saying those words directly to me, like I hear his voice, that'd cut me hard, right? Now, God's called us to be disciples, to follow him with our lives. Now, the setting is, verse 17, the setting is that there are a host, many, that have come to see Jesus. In the midst of that entire host, there are, there are those that are only interested in the show. But here's the second point. There are some that actually want to hear what he has to say. There are some who want to hear what Jesus says. Because notice what comes out of his mouth next in verse, 20, verse 27. Because he narrows, the, he narrows the group down again. Because I, but I say unto you which hear. So in verse 20, 20, he lifts up his eyes and he looks on the disciples and speaks to all of the disciples. These are the ones that should be here. It should have come to him to hear and do what he says. But now after he's had his little discourse, he narrows it down in verse 27. It says, now I'm speaking to you that hear. He says, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, and he goes on. So there are some that want to hear what Jesus says, and I call these the radio podcast Christians. Now, I'm a radio dude. I'm a podcast dude. I listen to them all the time. But if that's as far as my walk with God goes, is getting information instead of transformation, I've messed up. Because if I end up quoting pastor's words instead of God's words, we're in trouble. 
Right? So there's one thing about hearing God or hearing a different kind of preacher, a different kind. I just like the way he says it. I'm like, man, you ought to listen to this guy. Well, hold on. I'm only interested if they're speaking the word of God. So I'm speaking unto them that that hear. Right, so I got a little subpoint in there, I think, on your on your notes. Hearing what Jesus says should change the way that you see people. I know that's kind of small. Hearing what Jesus says should change the way you see people. Now check this out. Verse 27. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you, pray for, pray for them which despitefully use you. You see, when you follow Christ, you begin to see the multitudes the way that God does. You begin to see people a little bit differently. You have all these multitudes coming. I just want to hear Jesus. I want to see the show. Just heal me of my diseases. And what does Jesus do? He actually interacts with them, has conversations with them, and touches their filthy bodies. That's what he does. And so as you follow Christ, as you, be, as you are truly the disciple, you begin to see people differently because you begin to, in verses 27 and 28, you begin to pay back those who mistreat you with what they need. That's what he's saying in verse 27 and 28. People are lashing out with you. Well, what do you do? You provide them with what they need. They need the gospel, man. Well, I don't want to go talk to that, that guy. I don't want to go talk to that woman. You know what that person's done to me? Give them what they need. That's the solution. They need all right, verse, 20, verse 29 and 30. He says, And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other, and him that taketh away the cloak, forbid not to take thy coat, thy, thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh thee, and, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Listen, that's somebody using you. That's somebody taking advantage of you, isn't it? But notice this. People can't take from you what you've given them. If you give it, they can't take it. Why are they having to take it? Because you didn't give it. That's why. Verse 31. And as you would that men should do unto you, do you also to them likewise, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All right, well, treat people the way you should be treated, not the way that they deserve to be treated. There's some people you know they deserve something, right? My wife, I love her. She's a prayer warrior. She's got a little hood in her. And she goes, one, there's just one day, she says this all the time, just one day I want to hit somebody in the face so hard. And you would never dream, if you met her, you would just never dream that she would say that. And there's a little piece of me just praying that that one day that'll, that'll happen, as long as it's not me, you know what I mean? You know, you know, and I just pray, don't, don't be a striker, you know, don't, don't, don't be so mean. And there's, there's days I just wish I could pop somebody in the throat, you know. But it's not what the Lord told me to do. <laughs> no, I'm going to treat people the way, the way I deserve to be treated, not the way they deserve to be treated. Verse 32. For if you love them, which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them, which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. You know what? How did Jesus display his love for us? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We deserved his wrath, and yet he says, no, I'm going to demonstrate my love. I'm going to give you what you need. The whole time I'm an enemy of God, cussing him, speaking ill of him. Okay, verse 34. 
And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. Remember, the whole point is that when you hear what Jesus has to say, it changes the way that you see people. And love is not reciprocal. You've got to get that. Love is not always reciprocal. Are you willing to love even if you're not going to be loved back? Well, what's my motivation to love them? Here's the motivation. That is somebody who is not either walking with Jesus or they've never met him. And you're expecting them to be right with you when the issue is they need to be right with the Lord. That'll solve a lot of problems, man. That'll save a lot of problems. You've got to be willing to love even though you may not be loved back. And listen, I'm preaching to myself because this is hard. This is hard. Next point, hearing what Jesus says should change the way people see Jesus. You see, when, I, when I'm living according to the Word of God, when I'm just hearing and doing the Word of God, then, well, then now my life is an illustration. My life is a testimony. People see, should see Jesus in me. They should have a different perspective of who Jesus is. Now, you go to a random person on the street in what, what, what county are we in? Paulding County? Right, you go to a random person in Paulding County, whether, whatever city, whatever township, whatever that might be, and you ask them about Jesus, everybody's going to give you a perspective. Everybody's going to say something. He's a teacher, he's this, he's that, or he's Savior, he's Lord, or praise the Lord. Or, or he's an egomaniac. I got told that the other day. Well, the Lord's just an egomaniac. He wants my worship. He demands my worship. You know, all these type of things. Listen, people have a different skewed view of who Jesus is because, not because he's changed, not because the Bible says anything different. It's those who are carrying that Bible, those who are carrying his name, show a different representation of who Jesus is. And so when... We hear what Jesus says. It should change the way that people see Jesus. Check this out, verse 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. Ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is, the, he is kind unto the unthankful and to, and, to, and to the evil. In other words, love so that the world will see Jesus in you. Love so that the world will see Jesus in you. Verse 36. Be therefore merciful as your Father also is, is merciful. Be full of mercy so the world will see Jesus in you. Verse 37, judge not. Oh, people love to quote that one. They don't know any other verse. Judge not lest you be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. You see, they don't like that last part. They like to quote the first part, but they don't like that, the last part. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. You see, make sure, let me boil this down. This is how I would put this. Make sure people know that you're for them and not against them. Now, how do you do that? You call out things that need to be called out. You love the way that things need to be loved. You need to forgive where things need to be forgiven. But people need to know that you're not against them. They need to know that you're for them. Not for their sin, not for their wickedness. But you're for them, following the Lord. Listen, that's why sometimes when pastors counsel, people get, they get a little burn their, burn their Sabbath. They get a little upset. Listen, that pastor ain't all up in your business. The pastor's there because he sees something. 
So, hey, I just want just to help you along right here. Because done right, they care for you. They're for you, not against you. Verse 38. A lot of pastors love to quote this verse. Verse 38. Verse 38 Give! It's a commandment, not a suggestion, right? Give! All right. It shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. What the world does that mean? Shall men give into your bosom? Man, they would. Remember when the Boaz gave Ruth a, a measure of meal? Remember all that? She, ha- she would have had her dress. She would have had her gown. She would have had her little rope. And she would have bent it over. And she would have had her arms in there. And they would have filled it full of a measure. And then she would have shaken it down, pat that thing down, and overflowing shall men give into your bosom. And she carried that all the way home. And Naomi said, what you got? I got lunch. I got breakfast. And I got dinner for days. Right? So the Lord says, okay, you give. And, man, it's going to come back to you. All right? But he says, that the, for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Well, focus on giving. Why? So the world will see what God's blessing truly looks like. Because God pl- promises to bless. Listen, I, I ain't going to lie. There are days I, I look down my street and I look down my neighbors and I see their nicer cars, right? I see their nicer house. I see uh, all of this stuff. I'm like, Lord. I know they ain't got that kind of cash, right? I, either they're in debt up their eyeballs or, or they're just a whole lot more. And I just feel like the Lord just says, you know what, Penny? Yeah, they have a little bit of expendable income because they're not kingdom-minded. They have money to throw away. Because you're putting the equivalent of a car payment in every so often. You know, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're, you're minded. You don't have time for entertainment things. You don't have time for all these things. I'm like, oh, no, thank you. That's all right. This world has nothing to offer me, man. Nothing to offer me. Now, that being said, I just put my name in a drawing to win a brand new truck. Just so you all know that. <laughs> just so you know, I just full disclosure. Full disclosure. All right. All right. So, hearing what Jesus says should change the way that you see people, and hearing what Jesus says should change the way people see Jesus. But hearing this is, man, you got to get this. Hearing what Jesus says should change the way that you see you. It should change the way that you see yourself. You ought to be doing a fruit check. What's hanging from your boughs? What's hanging from your limbs? What's hanging from your branches? Where are your roots? Because it says this in verse 39, And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Get this, you will always reproduce yourself. You want to check yourself? Check out your kids. Oh my, that's convicting. Check out your disciple because you always reproduce yourself, guaranteed. Well, I'm not a discipler. Yes, you are. You are a discipler, whether you think you are or not. You're going to reproduce yourself. So my question to you is, what have you, re- what have you reproduced? What have you reproduced? There's, there's more to this. All right, verse 41. Verse 41 and 42. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not that the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull that out, out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye, 
Thou hypocrite. Jesus is like right hook. Bam! Right? Thou hypocrite. Oh, man. Cast out first the beam that is in thine own eye, and then thou shalt say clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Listen. Remember, if you're going to hear the word of God, so as you are spending time with the Lord, you're having your quiet time, and you're actually coming to be with Christ, and you're actually coming to hear his words, it should change the way that you see people, that people see Jesus, but it should change the way that you see you. It should change the way that you see you. Never assume under the teaching and preaching of the word of God. Never assume in your quiet time that, that God is speaking to somebody else. Always assume that God is speaking to you. Amen? Always assume that God is speaking to you before you assume that God's speaking to someone else. And man, I have done that. Guilty as charged. Mm-hmm. Sister Margaret needs to know that one. Hope she's paying attention. Hope she ain't sleeping. Oh, man. My wife needs to hear that one. <clears throat> right? Man, never assume God's speaking to somebody else. Always assume God's got something for you. Which means... You need to make sure that you can see straight before you try to make others see straight. Word. And I, here's kind of how I put it. Here's what I wrote down. Never let a blind man do surgery on my eyes. My wife, her uncle is a chiropractor, and he is blind, cannot see. Makes him a really good chiropractor. Makes him a really bad eye surgeon. But he's a doctor. I don't care. He ain't touching my eyes. He can twist me and turn me around and crack my joints. I'm all over about that. Makes him a really good one, by the way. Man, there's a whole lot of people trying to fix other people when they are an absolute mess. Me too. Me too. Verse 44. He says, for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his fruit. Familiar verses? Every tree is known by his fruit. For of thorns, check this out, for of thorns men do gather, do not gather figs, nor a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So, let's boil this down. If you want to know where you are spiritually, I'm not talking about anybody else in the room. If you want to know where you are spiritually, let me give you two things to consider this morning. The first, was, first one is this. Pay attention to what the world expects to receive from you. When people come and interact with you, what are they expecting to gather? Think about that. Because it says this, men do not, men do not come to the thorns to gather figs, nor the bramble bush gather their grapes. So if they're interacting with you on purpose, they expect something from you. What are they expecting to receive? That'll tell you where you are spiritually. And that hurts me. Right? How about, you ever been that person at work where like everybody comes to you with all their problems? You ever been that person? Man, I used to work at the grocery store 
which I think every person should have to work in the grocery store at least once in their life. Just, just cause <laughs> you can learn some stuff, right? But I mean, I used to work at the grocery store, and I always worked the night shift. And there's some crazies that work at the night shift. They got some messed up problems, man. And all the time, I felt like I was spending more time counseling than I was stocking peaches. Man, they're just always. What do you tell me? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Why do you always come to me? And then it hit me. Oh they need a biblical perspective. And I didn't know Jack. I couldn't really told you what the book of James was. I just They just knew I was a believer. So my nickname at work was Prophet. That's weird. <laughs> you know, that's strange. That, that's weird. All right. So that was, that, was the first, that was the first litmus test of where I am spiritually. But check this out. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Last part of verse 4 is that. Listen to what you talk about. Pay attention to what people come to you looking for. What do they expect when they interact with you? And what comes out of your mouth? What do you talk about? And so uh, brother and Lee and I, we spent a few hours last night. And he was showing me a bunch of the, because uh, I don't know a lot of you. I've, I've met a few of you. And so we just got on social media together. And so we got a, we just got a few examples of people in the church and some of their social media posts, just as an illustration. I'm kidding. <laughs> just, I'm just, you're like, what? Lee's like, we did not do that. You're right. <laughs> we, <laughs> no, no, we didn't. Man, what do you talk about on social media? Pull up your phone. What do you text? Text one another to other people. We talk about it there. Because here's the reality. What's in here always comes out here. Now, you can hold it for a little bit, but as soon as you get squeezed, it's coming out. Amen? Brian Clark puts it this way. You don't get the juice without the squeeze, but when you get squeezed, you find out what kind of juice is up in there. Mm. Mm -mm. So there are many that come to see Jesus. There are few that come to hear Jesus, or sorry, it, there, there are some that come to hear Jesus, but here's the last point. There are few who do what Jesus has to say. There are very few that actually do it. And I would call these the construction worker believers. These are the ones that say, okay, I'm going to actually do this because he says in verse 46, why, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? How many of you do this? Lord, I pray for this, and Lord, I pray for this, and Lord, I pray for this, and the whole time the Lord's going, how are you calling me Lord? And not doing what I'm telling you to do. You can call me by my first name. You can call me Jesus. You can call me all these type of things. But he says, now you cannot qualify. You are not qualified to call me Lord if you're not going to do which I, those things which I say. Because he is not just Savior. He's also Lord. That's convicting to me. Verse 46. And verse, sorry, verse 47. He says, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. So now he narrows it down even further. So he talks to disciples, and then he narrows it down and says, okay, those that hear. But then he narrows the group down again, and he says, okay, now I'm going to speak to those who come, hear, and do. I'll show you to whom he's like. 
He's the wise man. He's the, he's the foolish man, right? So if you come to him, what does that mean? That's a right relationship. You came to him because he's Lord. But Tony, I'm just too busy to have a quiet time. Well, then you're too busy. I'm too busy to do ministry. Well, then you're too busy. Because the reality is, he's Lord. And would you stop viewing him only as Savior? Well, you're giving God your past and you're giving God your eternity. Would you call him Lord? You're giving him your right now. That's what it means to be Lord of my life. There's so many people getting saved and they're singing about being saved, which means all their sin is past, then they get to spend eternity with the Lord. And that's great. I think that's awesome. He's Savior. But when you got saved, you called him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord. So, you come, well, then you hear. That's the word of God. That's this precious book that's without error. That's, that's the word of God. But then you do it, that's obedience. So you come because he is Lord, and then you want to hear what he has to say, and then you want to do what he says. Now, I've got a typo on there. It should be James 1.22 instead of James 1.25. But James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. But be ye doers. Did you know when you read the Bible, and here's why. Check this out. Here's what a lot of people do. They grab their Bibles. They get their cup of coffee. They find their little stool. They find the little chair. They put their feet up, and they go, okay, I'm going to read my Bible. And they read their Bibles. Praise the Lord. That's a victory. Man, that's a win. Even if it's done in a religious attitude, <laughs> that's a win, that you're at least sitting down to open your Bible. And then you begin to see yourself in the pages. And then we begin to get convicted by what it has to say. And then we, we just say, well, I think I'm done now. And we, and we close our, watch, close, lost my spots. But we just close our Bibles, and we set it down, and we walk away. And we feel like we've done something. You know what we just did? We came to Jesus, and we heard what he had to say. We had no intention of doing it. And the Bible says that when we come and we hear, but we don't do, you know what we're doing? We're deceiving ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. We're pretending that everything's all right. It is as if you woke up this morning, and I praise the Lord, some of y'all took a shower. Maybe you did that last night, whatever. But then you got up and you went into the bathroom and you brushed your teeth, Lord willing, and you got the funk off your breath and you brushed your hair and you trimmed your beard and you shaved your face and you did all those type of things. You know why? Because you saw the reflection in the mirror that it was not going to be appropriate for you to walk out the house looking like the way you look. But when we open this perfect law of liberty, when we open up this perfect mirror, we see ourselves in its pages. And with some of us, we pretend like we didn't just see that mess. And we walk around acting like we didn't just see our reflection in the mirror. It's crazy. Now, do people walk around Walmart in their underwear? Like they do at my, my hometown. They walk around in their PJs. Things flopping around that don't need to be flopping. And my goodness. It's like, did you look in a mirror? You're pretending that. And there are Christians who do the exact same thing. Hairs all over the place. Their life's an absolute wreck because they had zero intention of doing what it had to say. I'm guilty as charged. I mean, we're all, we all do it. Let's not just be those who come. Let's not just be those that come and hear. Let's come hear and, and do. Amen? All right, so check this out. I got to... I'm going to Luke chapter 6 again real quick. 
Luke chapter 6. He says, I'll show you to whom he's like. And so those who come here and do, he says this in verse 48, these are the ones who dig down and set the, lay the foundation on a rock. Well, we know that rock is Christ, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We know that rock is Christ. Further foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus Christ is the rock. He's also the word of God. He is the rock. Lay your foundation upon the rock. Thus saith the Lord. Okay, well, then there you go. That's where I'm going to build my house. But then it says, and the flood arose. The stream beat vehemently upon that house. Listen, I want you to understand, you've got to get this. Just because you are, uh, just because you come and just because you hear and just because you do doesn't mean you're not going to go through difficulty. You're going to go through it. You're going to go through hard times. Amen? You will go through it. But you're settled on the authority of Christ. That's what it means to have a foundation. It's the authority of Christ. And you know what tough times do? Difficult times, you know what they do? They cause you to grip tight to the foundation. You get more entrenched in the foundation. My mom, she lives over about a few hours away from Pigeon Forge. And they had a massive flood. People lost their lives and her co-worker had dead bodies floating in her, floating in her front yard and all kinds of stuff. And she said, you'd be surprised how many houses were just floating down, float, floating down the Pigeon River. And she said there were trailer houses. This is what blew her mind. There were trailer houses that were still there. The trailer house is always the first one. I mean, they're the jokes, right? I mean, I, I grew up in trailer houses. <laughs> the tornado came. You're like, oh, here we go again. We're going to lose it again. At the end, at the end. I mean, here we go. We're going, it's, it's over. But my mom said, man, there's trailer houses over there. And we drove by them. Every one of those trailer houses is on a, on a foundation. Every single one of them. The ones that were on a foundation stood firm. The ones that were just floating, they, they, they took off like a little boat. There's a whole lot of Christians, they don't have the authority of God's word. And the tough times only strengthen our resolve to cling to the foundation. But take a step further. Verse 49. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth and against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So you have those who come and hear and do, and those who come here and don't. Those who come here and don't. Well, they're not settled on the authority of the word of God. They're settled on the authority of the world. Why? Because they put their house upon the earth. They're trusting that it's all going to pan out. And here's, wh here's what you've got to get, Christian. If you choose to do that, if you choose that's going to be your authority, then as the world moves, so do you. As the world moves, so do you. That's why we have a whole lot of Christians make, placing their authority in politics instead of Jesus. Because as the world moves, they have to go where their foundation is. They get moved too. And the tough times are going to cause you to give up. You're not going to cling to any foundation. You're just going to give up, and you know what you're going to do? You're just going to go with the flow. You'll be swept away. And there'll be zero evidence, zero evidence that there was ever a spiritual house there in the first place. The 
Did God ever move? Was God ever at work in your life? And we all know people like this. Maybe you were somebody like that. Please be a believer that comes to him, hears what he has to say, and does it. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the house on the rock stood. So we'll we'll um, let's just let's let's take a minute. We'll I wrote down a couple of questions, and here's what here's what you do know: God, God is speaking, and um, God's speaking to to the disciples, and so I, I you know real practical things like you know today. What's God saying to you today? I think we discount a lot of times, and, and, and for from my own perspective, you know, as a pastor, I seem to want to hit everybody's deal all the time. Like I, I'm trying, I'm always trying to cover uh, things that I, I, you know, like individual cases. Sometimes you want to make sure, you know, hey, we'll make sure this person hears that. Well, here's what I figured out: uh, when God starts speaking, He's He has a way. The Holy Ghost has a way to let you hear what's being said. Uh, kind of like they heard in Acts, in your own language, where you are at that time. And I don't got to say it. I don't got to say, Brother Tony, don't got to say it. Brother Dylan, don't got to say it. Uh, Brother Daniel, it, the people that, that teach the Word of God, they don't got to say what you're, that's, what's God saying to you today? And then not only that, but what is your heart saying about what God's saying? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what is your heart saying when God says the things that he says. Because, you know, you, I've seen a lot of people get offended by things I said that I didn't really say. I didn't say half the stuff they said I said. I wouldn't come up with half the stuff I, that, that God said. Like, there's a lot of stuff that God's saying. I'm like, oh, man, Lord, I don't really want to say that. But I'm going to say it because you said it. And everybody wants to get, like, you know what it is? It's your heart's response to what God is saying. So what is your heart saying to what God said? You're, I've heard it once, if I've heard it once, I've, I've heard it about, I don't know, here at least 10 or 15 times. You're just a little bit overboard. Like you're just a little bit much. The church is a little bit too much. You know, when you start talking about having a perfect Bible, that's a little weird. Uh, because the whole exclusivity factor takes full effect then and you're like oh you you have a perfect Bible okay well you believe that this is the only way to do ministry you believe that whole winning and building and sending thing is the only way to do ministry I believe that's what Jesus said that was the only way to do ministry well it can look different in different places well can it but what is God? What is so? So today, what you heard? What is God? What is your heart saying about what God said today? And then that all that last one that gets over. Well, man, what are you gonna do about it? 
You know, Alan Shelby said years ago, you deal with people based on, you deal with people based on two different factors, ignorance or rebellion. And you have to cipher out which one you're dealing with. See, counsel people based on ignorance. Most of, the, most of my counseling ain't really got anything to do with, like, trying to figure out what to tell you. Most of the time, I'm trying to figure out whether this is just ignorance or just rebellion. Like, I'm listening, and I'm like, all right, so I got to figure out the motive here. Is motive ignorance? Is it just a heart of ignorance? Or, and, and, or is it a will of rebellion? So that's, man, that's really where all of us are as disciples, right? Every single one of us, we're at the place where we're just ignorant. We got to decide, is our heart going to rebel to what God has said this morning? Are we just going to, we're just going to get, we're just going to get, man, Lord, that is just too much. I just don't, I don't have it in me. I, I, I don't have it in me to be a contender. Like, I want to. Part of me, part of everybody in this room, you're like, man, I want to do that. And, 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 it, and it sounds like a, like it sounds like a really good plan. Like, you hear that and you're like, man, heck yeah, let's build our house on the, on the rock. Let's build our house on this rock. And then when the floods come, guess what? We won't be swept away. When, when, when cancer does come, we won't be swept away. When hard times come in our lives, man, we won't be swept away. But all that comes at the expense of hearing, hearing the words of Jesus Christ. Right? That comes at the expense of believing that Bible with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind. That believes giving everything you got to it. And I just don't know that I'm willing. I don't know that I, I'm willing to come in here, but I don't know that I'm willing to do all that stuff. This, what, what is the Lord saying to you? What's your heart saying? What are you going to do about what, what your heart response is to what God's saying? It's really hard and it's really simple. It's really hard in the fact that, man, we got decisions to make. It's really simple and that there's only one that needs to be made. It's yes, Lord. Yeah, man, let's do this, Lord. I know it's going to be hard. I'm gonna have to. I'm, I, there is gonna be. There is gonna be some days to where you're not gonna get everything you want. You're not gonna get your way every time. The lust of your flesh isn't gonna be fulfilled. And you're gonna be mad about it. You're gonna be upset for a little while. And, and and you know what? Then you're gonna count the cost of following Jesus Christ all over again. Lord, yeah, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Maybe, uh, Brother Daniel, uh, we'll we'll let Brother Daniel sing uh, maybe a verse. Man, it, it, maybe you just come and whatever God's saying to you today, you deal with what your heart has responded to what God's saying. That's really all we got to do. At the end of the day, then boys, that, that Jesus said in Luke 9, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me their heart responded to what God said. There's a group that, that will never do it. And then there's a group that can't help but do it. Why don't we just be that group of contenders? Why don't we just decide, man, that, look, this is it. 
This is all we got to do. This is what we're going to give our life to. We don't have anything else. We don't have anything else to go back to. We, most of us in this room, have, man, for the most part, we've counted the cost, but there's still little things that we want to go back to that we've got. We've got those ships still tied up to the dock, and, and we hadn't totally sank them things. And if it push comes to shove, I'm going to go back. Man, I can't think. Of, I I can't think about how I. You know, I, I think sometimes in this room, man, there's some guys in this room, and some ladies in this room. And if you was to go back, it'd break my heart. But you don't even have a clue at the confusion and the heartache that you would bring to the five kids that live in my house if you did that. Sheer confusion and heartbreak if you decided to go back. You say, what? Are you trying to guilt us? No, I'm just trying to tell you there's a lot of people looking at you. I'm looking. There's a lot of people. Like, I, I've done grown, you know, truth is I've grown a little callous in my 42 years. First 24 years of my life, I mean, I think God's still sanding the calluses and the rough off of, off of some of me just become a little desensitized to, to things in life and you know what I got used to people leaving in my life I got used to my mom leaving I got used to my dad leaving I got you you know people dying I felt the same way about my granddad died I felt the same way for a while I was like well this dude just up and left too and so you shouldn't feel that way well sometimes you can't help what you feel as a, as a young as a young boy now I'll tell you what I got five in my house. They don't got none of that. And they see us do crazy things and they wonder, man. Dude, I man, I thought they were the real deal. Them two little boys of mine or some of you guys in here, they think as much of you. Now you just have no idea. And if you go back. If you decide I'm going to hear, I'm going to come, and I'm going to hear, and I'm going to don't. What are they going to do when they get 18, 19, 20 years old? Are they going to come? Because one day I'm not going to be able to make a decision. They're going to come, and they're going to hear, and they're going to don't, because that's what some of us did. Well, that's on them. Well, is it? Or is it on us? It's paving the way. They're discipling people without even knowing it. And won't we just come and decide, man, we're, we're going to come in here and do. God, I'm going to come and I'm going to hear and I'm going to do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to keep playing around. I played this thing. I got to make sure that I got to make sure that, uh, that somebody don't trip over me. I got to make sure that I ain't got people falling all over me all the time. Amen? Daniel, won't you sing a verse? You want to come, you can. Um, I'd like for you just to find you a place. I think, man, it'd be good for some of us just to find us a place during this altar and say, Lord, I'm going to come in here and do. I can't keep this don't stuff up. Won't you, won't you just come this morning? I've seen things along the way. I've seen trouble. In my short days, but through it all. 
who's always near. If the sun were to fall, if the oceans were to dry, if the mountains were to crumble, I wouldn't bat an eye. I stand upon the rock, the rock of ages, no matter what may come. The storm around me rages, I stand upon what never changes sometimes the way looks bleak cause we're just human and we are weak but take it from me if the road gets rough, he will be there to pick you up. And if the sun were to fall, if the oceans were to dry, if the mountains were to crumble, I wouldn't bat an eye because I stand upon the rock, the rock of ages, no matter what may come. The storm around me rages, I stand upon what never changes. Lord, we, we know that the cost, man, the, Lord, the buy-in is, is high. Lord, and, and I think for years, God, we just, for the most part, just did a terrible job at calling people to Christ. Or Brother Tony said it, I mean, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. God, it, first thing we did, we called on you to be our Lord, to take control. Just to be the Lord of our life, God, to, to be the one in control, to be the one that took the reins and that would lead and guide and direct. And God, yeah, we all know there's times, Lord, we just... We're, we don't want to be led. We don't want to be guided. We want to do our own thing. God, I, I know that you're long-suffering. I know that you're gracious. I know that you're kind. I know that you're patient. And at the end of the day, you're still the Lord. You're a gracious Lord. You're a long-suffering Lord. And Lord, we bless your name for that because there's some of us in this room that have experienced the long-suffering grace of God in our life. And we praise the Lord that we have. Lord, that you were so good that one day we woke up and we got to see, man, and our Lord was so long-suffering with us when he didn't have to be. God, you're good. <laughs> I bless your name for being just so good. Lord, that you let us be who we are so we could see that who we are is not who you want us to be. 
God, thank you for being good to us. Thank you for being faithful. And thank you for reproof. Lord, thank you for correction, for instruction and righteousness that you give us in this, in the Word of God. Lord, you're just really good to us. And God, we just want to thank you for being, being so good. Bless your name for being so good to us. Lord, thank you for using Brother Tony. Thank you for allowing him to open the Word of God and preach what thus saith the Lord. And, and God, and do it in, with, with an anointing. God, thank you for his dedication to the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for his passion. Lord, I pray that you bless what's said this morning. Lord, as we'll go, there'll be more things God will say to us. And there'll be more things that our hearts can say to God. And Lord, we, we need to have a right response. So Lord, I'm asking you this morning, God, as the day goes, as the rest of the week goes, uh, Lord, I, I pray that you would help our, our heart as we, we answer the questions, what we're going to do to our heart's response to what God says. Lord, I, I pray they'd be, they'd be right, right responses. They would be come here and do and not come here and don't. Lord, use today for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, Brother Sean. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to grab one of those offering plates, or one of these. Be fine. Uh, Brother Sean's going to be in the back. Um, here, here's here's what I want you to do. If we never do stuff like this, I was in this a couple weeks ago. And I just hadn't done it. Uh, it was for something completely different. But um, we we want to we want to take up a special offering for Brother Tony. And if you want to this morning, give to that. Brother Sean's going to be in the back. If you want to give on the way out to that, um, man, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you want to give on Tidely, we can do that under uh, special offerings. Just probably just make a note in your tab. Um, you can do that on there. Um, but let me let me encourage you. That, you know, you want to give to that, praise the Lord. If you don't, praise the Lord too. But, man, he's been a blessing to us. The men of this church, uh, he's been a blessing to us, and, and we just praise the Lord for him. Amen? So, uh, you want to give on the way out? Brother Sean will be back there. If you want to give uh, check, cash, whatever, if you want to give on Tidely, you can just do it under under special gifts or whatever. 